0: Well, if you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4, and we're going to look today at verses 1 through 12, Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 12, as you get there, uh, let's stand together. We're going to stand as we read God's word this morning, Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. You're amazing, God. And we thank you for your words. And and just as we've already sung, we pray that you would be closer to us, draw closer to us. Your words are beautiful and you have given them to us as a way to know you. And so, God, I pray for that. I pray that your spirit would move. I pray that your power through your spirit would work in our hearts. And God, that you would be close to us and draw us close to yourself. Speak to us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, last week we talked uh, about, in in chapter 3, and actually I'm just going to summarize again all of chapter 3. The beginning of chapter 3, Peter and John are going by the temple, and uh, there's this crippled guy who's laying there, and he's begging for money. And as they go by, uh, the crippled guy begs them for money, and what does he do? Peter and John speak up and they say, look at us. We're gonna, we don't have silver, we don't have gold, but what we do have we'll give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Well, this guy does it. He gets up and he walks and, and obviously there's a huge stir. There's a huge uh, movement that's going on in these people who have seen this guy be carried here every day for his whole life he's been crippled he never walked before and now these guys say in the name of jesus get up he gets up and he's walking around and so obviously there's a crowd that's coming together to find out what in the world is going on and so they come together and what we talked about last week was was how peter responded to that he didn't take any credit uh, he, he he begins to address the crowd and he addresses them with the gospel it, it's not us it's all jesus the reason this guy is walking around is because of jesus christ and it's power through his name and faith in his name that has made this guy well so as he's preaching and, and talking about in the midst of that that jesus died because they had sentenced him to death they had killed him in the midst of that saying that jesus had died but didn't stay dead he rose again We kind of come into chapter 4 here. And in chapter 4, it says that the, um, as they were speaking to the people, it says the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people um, and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, the Sadducees are kind of like the Pharisees, all right? Uh, Except one of the main differences between the Pharisees and the Sadducees is they don't believe in the resurrection. They think that when you are dead, you're dead. And and so they're teaching as religious, which is really weird, uh, religious leaders, but they don't believe in a resurrection. And so, um, actually, go to Mark chapter 12. Let's look at it real quick, okay? Mark chapter 12. Jesus is teaching, and uh, the Sadducees actually approach him in March, Mar- Mark chapter 12. In verse 18, it says this, And Sadducees came to him, to Jesus, who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man, man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven um, brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third, likewise, and the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven ha- had her as a wife. So obviously there's a lot of sarcasm in the Sadducees as they come before Jesus. And, and they, they paint this picture for Jesus. In, in the law, uh, in the Jewish law, what would happen is if, if, if I was married to a woman and I died, and we didn't have any children, then my brother, as a responsibility, was to take her as a wife so that I would have children through my brother. Well, they come to Jesus, and they sarcastically approach this whole resurrection thing and say, hey, here's, here's the deal. We've got seven brothers who marry this woman, and none of them have kids. So now in the resurrection, whose wife is it? And Jesus responds and says, well, you're asking the question because you have no idea about the scriptures or what God teaches and you don't know God. And so he goes in and teaches all this stuff, which we're not going to get into today because that's a total side note. But the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. So here they are coming to take Peter and John out of the situation. Number one, because they're frustrated that Peter and John are even talking about the resurrection. Number two, these leaders are frustrated. They're angry. They're annoyed because they just killed Jesus. And here they've done something that hopefully is going to take away all this Son of God talk. Um, They're doing something to kind of stop the whole Jesus is the Son of God stuff. And now his followers are preaching to the people, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You killed him, but he rose again. He didn't stay dead. He is the son of God. He promised he was going to come, die and rise again. And he did it. And he's the son of God. And so here's the rulers that are coming together and they take them. It says in uh, verse two that they come up uh, Excuse me, verse one. It says they came upon them greatly annoyed, obviously, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Verse three says they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day for it was already evening. So they arrest Peter. They arrest John. And and it's late in the day. They're not going to gather together all of the leaders to have some trial this late in the day. And so they put Peter and John in jail overnight and and they wait until the next day. I want us to think about um, honestly like this situation. And I want you to put yourself in their shoes. okay, Peter and John. They're just talking, they're telling, they're preaching the truth. And here come the leaders, the rulers. Now, as I say to put yourself in their position, I want you to understand that these rulers are the same rulers that killed Jesus. They're the same ones that said crucify him and have the authority to have him crucified. Okay. And so here's the same rulers that come and you're speaking about Jesus and they take you and they put you in prison how do you respond? What are you thinking? What are you thinking about God? What's your view of God at this point? I mean, you've said good things about him up till this point, but now he, is, he you're in prison because of his name. What's your view of God now? What are you thinking about him? What are you thinking about your circumstance? How are you responding? That's where Peter and John are. They're in prison because they talked about Christ. They talked about Jesus. And if that was you, if that was your circumstance where would you be what would your thoughts be how would you be thinking about christ how would you think about god would your view of him change would it lessen would you trust him would you believe in him just as much as you did when you were talking to the people where would your view of god be if that was you well here's peter and john and And what we're going to find is they're not in there beating themselves up or praying prayers like, God, where are you in this time? How could you do this to us? How could you let us be persecuted? How could you have hard things come into our life? They're not saying anything like that. They're arrested and put in custody until the next day. And in verse 4 it says, but, I love this, okay, I love verse 4. But many of those who had heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to about five now, as we've gone through Acts, it started, there' was like 120 people who are following Jesus Christ. Well, then Peter preaches this sermon it says that3,000, 3, around 3,000 people surrender their life to Jesus. They believe, and they decide he's worth everything. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to give my life to him, literally, probably. I'm going to give my life for him because of what he did for me. And so the number grows like 3,120 people. And and then we find out that the the believers are fellowshipping together and they're so devoted to God. They're so devoted to each other. They're so devoted to praying that God's adding to their number every day, it says in Acts chapter 2, 47, 46. Make sure here. Yeah, in 47, in in chapter 2, verse 47, he's adding to their number every day. People who are just seeing this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. This is what it looks like to believe in God. This is what it looks like to have a relationship with the God of the universe. I need that. I want that. And so day after day after day, God's adding to their number. Well, now in Acts chapter four, it says in the midst of this, that many people believe and the number of men grows to 5,000 people. Now in, in the gospels, remember when Jesus um, took the bread and the fish and he divides it and, and feeds 5,000 men plus their families. Uh, just with a few loaves and, and some fish, right? Well, that's what it's, it's kind of doing here. The numbers are getting big, okay? Uh, the people who are believing and, and following are so many. Now that it's saying that 5,000 men, probably 5,000 men plus wives and children now are believing and following Jesus in Jerusalem. It's astounding. And what I love is it's in the midst of this persecution. I mean, here's Peter and John who are arrested for talking about Christ. And as this little side note is, oh, by the way, even though they were arrested, even though they're being persecuted, God's word is going out. People are believing in Jesus Christ. And many people are coming to know him and giving their lives for him. That's not weird, okay? Man, if you look around the world where people are being persecuted for the name of Jesus Christ, many people are believing. Many people are believing. There's something unique about when someone is willing to say, I'll take anything, I'll go through anything, I'll do anything, I'll live in any way, as long as Jesus Christ is glorified. As long as God uses me, as long as the attention goes to him, as long as people know that jesus christ came he died he came to forgive them of their sins he rose again so that they can have eternal life as long as i can live for that i don't care what i have to go through and when people see that when people see people actually loving god that much they're just like i'm willing to go through that too because i want the treasure that they have i want the relationship that they have with this god i want to know god like that And so people are seeing this in Peter and John, and God's using them in this amazing way. And even in the midst of them being persecuted for talking about Christ, many people are believing in Jesus. In verse 5, it goes on. It says, On the next day their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. Now this... This group that it's talking about, um, the rulers, the elders, the scribes, the, the high priest, those are the positions that made up the Jewish governing um, rulers called the Sanhedrin. They're kind of like the Supreme Court over the, over the Jewish people. Uh, there were 71 people uh, as a part of the Sanhedrin. And that included the high priest. And so you've got all of these uh, rulers who are gathered together, and they bring Peter and John in the midst. Now, as we think through this situation, what I want us to know is it's the same group of people that Jesus was brought in the midst of and beaten and tortured, rejected and crucified. It's the same group. And so here's Peter and John being being brought into the same setting as Jesus was brought into. How do we feel as you're walking into that same setting? Remember, Peter and John were the only two that watched Jesus in that setting. They're the only two that saw what happened to him in that setting. So they knew what happened not long ago to their Savior, Jesus Christ, in the same setting. They knew that he was beaten. They knew that he was dragged out. They knew that he was tortured. They knew that he was killed. Now imagine going into that same setting as Peter and John. Fearful? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, this is real. They know what can happen to them and they're going in in the midst of the Sanhedrin the rulers, the, the leaders there. They bring them in and, the, and they, they begin to question them. It says in verse 7, when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? By what power or by what name did you do this? Now it's talking about the healing that took place and and uh, and really what they're asking is is and really what they're implying is that Peter and John are rebels. Um, the Jewish leaders had to give authority for you to speak or do or whatever, uh, to heal or whatever it was. And, and the same with, with Jesus. Remember, when he was healing, when he was casting out demons, these same people said that he was doing it in the name of, of, of Satan, it's by uh, Beelzebub that you're casting out demons. It's by the prince of demons that you're casting out demons. And so they accused him of, of casting out demons even by Satan himself. And so it's the same with Peter and John where, where they bring him in and say, What authority? In whose name do you do, you do this? Whose name was this man healed? And, and guys, again, I want you to put yourself in this position. What do you say? What do you say at this moment? Here are the people that hold really your life in their hands. I mean the disciples know, the disciples are well aware that these are the same people that that when Jesus said what he said, it was done. And they crucified him. And so what do you say? What do you how do you respond? What do you say to the Sanhedrin so that you get out of this situation? Is that what you're thinking? What am I gonna say to them so I can get out of here and still have my life, still have the skin on my back, still have whatever? I mean, I gotta get out of this situation. Is that what we're thinking? Or is it just God, 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 God? In verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what, man this, uh, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you well. Would that be our response? I mean, the, the, the Sanhedrin knows in what name they're talking. That's why they arrested them. They don't care for Jesus. They don't like Jesus. That's why they killed him. And so the Sanhedrin knows why they're speaking. Would you say the same thing? And here's what I noticed. And, and as I'm reading through it, I just love in verse 8 it says, And Peter filled... With the Holy Spirit. That's the key. Right there. Okay. Peter. Filled with the Holy Spirit. I guarantee you. If Peter's not filled with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't give this answer. He won't. Because if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to figure out a way to say. I'm sorry if I offended you. I'm going to get out of this situation. But Peter. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Responds differently. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Responds by preaching the gospel to the sanhedrin beautiful by the way and so here it is it says peter is filled with the holy spirit one of the things we're going to we're going to notice um, as we continue to go through especially these next few chapters in acts that as people are filled with the holy spirit they're not filled with timidness it's just not a part of it as, as people are filled with the holy spirit they're not afraid to talk about christ they're not afraid to live for christ just not something we find as people are filled with the holy spirit um the spirit brings courage to people Um, the spirit brings boldness to people and 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 in this circumstance especially he gives peter the words to say to the sanhedrin in luke chapter 12 um jesus is talking to the disciples and 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 kind of giving them a heads up of things to come in luke chapter 12 verses 11 and 12 Jesus says this to the disciples. He says, and when they bring you, this is beautiful, by the way, okay? I want you to think about what Jesus said a long time before this and what's happening to Peter and John right now, okay? And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. How how long ago was this? At, At least months, maybe a couple years, okay? And so here's Jesus preparing the disciples, and he says, now listen, when they capture you, when they arrest you, when they bring you into the synagogue, when they bring you before the rulers, when they bring you before the authorities, don't be concerned with how to defend yourself. Just trust me. Just trust me. And here's the fulfillment through Peter and John of that exact same thing. Here's Peter and John who are brought before the authorities and the Holy Spirit fills them and begins to speak through them. And they're saying things that are just absolute truth and harsh words to the Sanhedrin, to the leaders, to the rulers. And so Christ who promises my Holy Spirit is going to fill you and he's going to give you, he's going to teach you the words to say at that very hour, just trust me, just trust me. And he does it. One of the things I've, I've been thinking through with this whole, here's Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, that's a terrifying circumstance. I mean, just if you're human um, and you're brought before people who have killed the guy you're following, um, that's, a, that's a scary situation. Uh, and it must have been terrifying or it would have been terrifying for Peter and John to stand there in the midst of those people if they don't have god if they don't have the holy spirit inside them if they don't have christ if they don't have hope if if god isn't their treasure that's got to be the scariest place in the world but it's not for them why because they have the holy spirit and i think of us i think of so many times where where i talk to people and they're just like man i just i'm so nervous i i i'm just i don't have courage to talk to people and I just can't do it. I just don't have the courage to talk to people. I don't know what to say. I'm afraid to talk because I don't know what to say. I started thinking through that, and I know I've been in those same circumstances. And, and what I find and what what I find from scripture and what I found in my my own life is, is when there's a lack of courage, there's a lack of the Holy Spirit. And when there's a lack of words to say, when there's when I just don't know what to say, it's because there's a lack of the Holy Spirit inside of me. There's a lack of God's influence inside of me because I know for sure from scripture. And we're going to find this out over and over again that when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, they're filled with boldness. They're not afraid to talk. They're not afraid to stand up for God. They're not afraid to live for him. They're not afraid to be devoted to him. They're not looking for ways to fit in or hide. They care about the lost and they they love people and they love the church and and they're just living for God no matter what that means and so what i'm finding in my own life what i'm finding through scripture is when i have a lack of courage when i have a lack of devotedness to god it's it's a definitely a good sign that i have a lack of the holy spirit in my heart when i have a lack of words to say when i have a lack of things to say there's a lack of holy spirit in me there's a lack of god working in me and it's my fault you know um Last night, uh, Shauna, you know, she wanted to get to bed early and we have church the next morning and I'm gone early on Sunday morning, so she has to get all four boys up and get them ready and dressed and here on time and everything. She's a hero of mine and, and uh and last night so we go to bed on time, we're gonna get a lot of rest and we're talking and, and everything and, and uh and then she said, Man, I can't I can't go to sleep. I'm not gonna be able to go to sleep for a while. Oh my god, you, you you're thinking about you know stuff we had talked about or whatever you're thinking and she's like no it's all the m&ms i hate i'm like what do you mean he's like well i took two handfuls of m&ms and put them in my mouth before i came to bed i'm like well that'll do it and i just thought this morning and which is we laughed about it uh but i thought about that this morning as i was as i was getting ready and i just thought you know that is that's us that's the church i mean probably if i if i surveyed most of you and said. Do you really want God to work through your life? I mean, do you really want God to be doing things through you? Do you really want your life to just reflect God and for people to look at you and say, man, there's something different about you. You're living in a way you're doing things that just it makes me think you have some connection with God that I don't have yet. If I were to ask you that, I think most of us, maybe all of us would say, yes, I want that. But what happens is, just like Shauna and I, with, with our desire to go to bed and get a lot of rest, what happens is we want that with God, but then right before it's time, that we just grab all the stuff that's going to fill us with not the Holy Spirit. And what we do is we fill ourselves at the last minute with stuff that interferes with the Holy Spirit being in us. We fill our minds, we fill our hearts, we fill our mouths, we fill our ears with stuff that interferes with God working through us and then we wonder why we're just laying there waiting for god to work we're just laying there waiting for god to do something we're just laying there wondering why we see this person living for the glory of god and we just feel like god's not even hearing us it's time it's time for us to engage this chapter four in acts we're we're, we're doing a mini series as we go through the uh, chapter four of acts and it's called the time has come And this week, what we're going to talk about is the time has come for courage. The time has come for devotedness. It's time that we just stop laying there and wondering, why why is God not working through me? And just filling ourselves with so much garbage. Instead of God's word. Instead of what will, will bring us closeness with him. Instead of what will draw us to him. It's time we stop just talking about and wishing in our hearts, man, I wish... I wish that I was more devoted to God. I wish my life looked more like that follower of Christ. It's not we stop talking about that and we stop. We cut off the things in our life that are filling us with everything except for him. I mean, honestly, some of us would sit here this morning and and if we were honest, we just had time alone. And when you and I could talk and I asked you, some of you probably say, man, I'll be totally honest. I have not talked or heard from or looked at God's word or anything since the last time I sat in this chair. Some of us would say that. And guys, what I'm telling you is it's impossible. When we're put, when we're put in the same circumstance that Peter and John has put in, we're not going to stand up the same way if we don't have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We're not going to have the Holy Spirit inside of us if we're not listening to him, if we're not obedient to him. That's the beautiful thing about Peter is it didn't take some like prayer service You know, Peter and John didn't get to run out and everyone lay hands on them and and just pray that the Holy Spirit would fill these people and and give them boldness. and, And no, Peter is living a life that is abandoned to God. He's living a life that is that is just submitting to God and he's being submissive, submissive to God. And so when it's needed, there's a filling of the Holy Spirit from God because there's nothing to interfere with that because he's listening to god and he's walking with god and he's obeying god he's submitting to god he's devoted to god and that lack of that in our life is what causes the lack of the holy spirit working through us and using us for god's glory in verses 9 and, and 10 he goes on and he says rulers of the people and elders if we're if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. Those are bold, bold words. What he's saying is, same thing he just told the people outside you killed Jesus, you killed the Son of God. And Jesus Christ is the reason this guy's walking around. He didn't stay dead. You rejected him. You killed him. But God accepted him. And he raised him from the dead. He's the Son of God. Those are bold words to speak to the Sanhedrin because they didn't quite agree. And here's Peter and John speaking with boldness, truth. It's one thing to have, have said those things a few hours ago with the people. It's, it's one thing to, to stand before just the common people and say, hey, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. But it's different to stand before the people who are the rulers and the leaders who have authority and are telling you to be quiet. And you stand up in front of them and say, you need Jesus. It's totally different. And there's a boldness and a courage that comes from the Holy Spirit being inside of you that's just completely different. Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit, and so he he speaks the truth. And in the face of possible severe persecution, he speaks the truth. He speaks the gospel. You know, I I told the cute story on my wife, but I got to tell you, um, you know, this past week she she went with me to this conference, uh, um, just over a week ago in in Atlanta, and just incredible. And and I love going to conferences. Just a time where the Lord can really work in my heart, and and saw Him do the same thing in my wife's heart. But my wife is is. Uh, timid i would say her personality is timid and uh and just as god worked in her in the conference just beautiful i mean just to see her respond to him and come back and and be refreshed she's a she's a homeschooler and a mom of four boys and and only one's in school every one other one is younger and so there's a lot of stresses that she faces and a lot of things that um can bring her uh down a little bit and and uh she is an amazing amazing mom and an amazing wife in the midst of all that and just does an incredible job but we need times of refreshing we need that we need times where we just it's just me and you lord it's just it's just us and we need some time together and i need some strength and i need some encouragement and i really felt like shauna came back with that and it was so cool for me because um monday i get a call from my wife and she's like i just talked to uh Three Mormons for an hour and 15 minutes. I just invited him into the house and just talked to him for an hour and 15 minutes. you got to understand, that's a mile marker for a timid person. Uh, that's huge. And and just as she was sharing, I was blown away with the similarities of that and this passage. Uh, because as as she was talking, and, and they brought... Um, it's, a, it's a bishop, right? Okay, thanks. Um, they brought a bishop with these two guys. And, and uh, two elders and then a bishop. A bishop's like... A guy uh he's like you know what i mean he's he's a mormon all right and uh you're not learning about it anymore he's a guy all right uh and he the three of them come into the house and and just the lord filled my wife with boldness and she just told him i mean she just told him i just i just wish so much that you would use the opportunity that you have to speak to so many people and tell them the truth and stop telling them lies and I was just blown away. And guys, that's the Holy Spirit. As we get connected to God, as we, as we allow him to fill us, as we allow him to use us, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He gives us boldness to speak in circumstances that we wouldn't normally speak in. He gives us boldness to, to stand for truth in the midst of lies. To not be afraid anymore of what, what society or what people think about us, but to live for the glory of God Treasuring God above all things. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. And that's where Peter's at here, and he's speaking the gospel as he stands before the rulers. And in verse 11, it says, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. He's quoting from Psalm 118, uh, verse 22. And uh, they would have known that verse, they knew the Old Testament, they knew the the scriptures, and so they would have known that verse, and what it 's talking about there is is the cornerstone in a building is, is like the most important peace okay it's the foundation it's what holds it together and and you gotta have that you gotta have that part that holds the building together and so what he's saying is jesus christ was the stone in this building that god is building this nation this people that god is building he was the, the stone that you rejected but god has acknowledged him as the cornerstone as the most valuable the most supreme peace in this whole picture and you rejected him and as that supreme peace he says in verse 12 there is salvation in no one else for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved you believe that for yourself I mean, honestly, I'm not talking about for other people in the world yet. Do you believe that for yourself? Do you believe that there's an exclusiveness to your salvation through Jesus Christ alone? There's nothing you can do to work your way to heaven. There's nothing you can do to earn your way to heaven. There's nothing you can do except Jesus and having him as your savior. According to scripture, that's that's the truth. Now, there's an exclusiveness through the Bible where Jesus, it's exactly what he's saying, where Jesus is the only way to salvation. There's no other way. Do you believe that? I mean, so many of us, so many of us in the church today are are stepping back and stepping back and stepping back and stepping back. And and we'll say, well, and we're believing this, this lie where it's like, well, if someone else has been brought up to believe this, And that's truth for them. And so who am I to say that that's not true? How can I go into their life and say, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong? How can I go to someone who's been brought up believing this and and say, listen, that's a lie. And and really what it is, it's just this, this new tolerant way of saying what's been said for a long time. All roads lead to God. All roads lead to heaven. And I'm going to tell you that's absolutely impossible I'm not telling you it's absolutely not true. I'm telling you it's absolutely impossible. Because Jesus Christ said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, and no one can get to the Father except through me. So what that means is, either he's a liar, which makes Christianity untrue, or he's telling the truth, which makes every other thing false. There's an exclusiveness to Jesus Christ, And that's okay, because if God gave his only son as a payment for my sins, I'm going to go ahead and give him the right to say, this is the only way you can get saved. I'm going to go ahead and allow him to make the rules on that. I'm not going to stand before him and say, that's not fair. I'm going to go ahead and accept, all right, you gave Jesus. I'm going to accept him as my treasure. I couldn't get to heaven myself. I couldn't live good enough. I couldn't do enough things. I couldn't couldn't be a good enough person to make it. I needed something and you gave me Jesus as a payment for my sins. Some of you may struggle with that. I hope you don't. I hope you don't. What Peter's saying is there's salvation in no one else. Not for you. Not for your family. Not for your neighbors. Not for people on the other side of the world. There's no salvation other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved some of you man you may be thinking that's pretty exclusive that's pretty harsh and it is but it's not my words i'm just quoting god and i believe him because he's done a really 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 good job of telling the truth for thousands of years he's never lied He's never failed. He's never done anything wrong. And so I'm going to accept it as truth. And I'm going to put everything I have into Christ and His payment, not anything I could do to pay away, in Christ's perfect payment for my sins. I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to believe in Him. I'm going to follow Him. Jesus Christ is our only hope. He's our only hope. That's what Peter's saying. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying to the Sanhedrin, the rulers who are hoping in something else. He says, no, it's Jesus. And if you don't have Christ, you don't have hope. If you don't have Christ, you don't have forgiveness. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have salvation. It's that simple. Guys, as we go through this, this chapter, I really want us to embrace this, this idea of the time has come. For us to be courageous the time has come for us to be devoted the time has come for us to stop talking about what faith looks like and actually following christ the time has come for us to stop discussing only the things of the bible and and actually adopting them as you know what i believe in you christ and i'm going to follow you i'm going to live for you no matter what it means i was thinking this week about jesus and and uh i think i convince myself sometimes that that things are different now than in, in the time that jesus lived and what i mean by that is this um if jesus would have waited for some reason okay just bear with me here all right if jesus would have waited until today to come to the earth what would have happened i mean what would have happened to him If he waited for some reason, he never came 2,000 years ago. He waited till 2007, and he comes, and he makes his appearance uh, in 2007 as an adult to begin his ministry. What would have happened to him? Okay, what? Shot? Okay. What else? He would have died. He would have died. Nothing would have been different. He would have been persecuted, he would have been hated, he would have been taken, and he would have been killed. Nothing would have been different. There's absolutely no time in history when Jesus could have lived when he would not have been persecuted, when he wouldn't have suffered, when he wouldn't have been hated, and when he wouldn't have died. There's no time he could have lived. He would have been persecuted, hated, and died. Now, why do I say that? Jesus says something peculiar. In John 15. In John 15 verse 20. He says if they persecuted me. They'll also persecute you. Just before that in verse 18. He says if the world hates you. Know that it has hated me before it hated you. If it hated me it's going to hate you. If it persecuted me it's going to persecute you. Now that's peculiar because. Because. I know for sure if Jesus lived today, the same thing would happen to him because we're still humans and we're still sinful. And Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. And yet I don't think that's true about me. I don't think that I can look at my life and say people hate me, people despise me, people persecute me. I don't think that's true about me. And so I have to look at that and I have to I have to come away with with one of two options there's two possibilities there number one either jesus was a liar he wasn't telling the truth he should have made it clearer and said if they persecuted me they're going to persecute you unless you live in the 20th century in the united states of america because things are going to be easy there he should have made it clearer or i don't look like jesus i'm not living like jesus i'm not devoted to god like he was i'm not faithful like he was i'm not living like jesus and i have to fall on that one why is it so easy for us to call ourselves christians in this day and age because here's the thing here's the thing i don't want you to go back and, and think well it was different when peter and john were living living things were different Let me ask you this, if Peter and John hadn't spoken out about the truth about Christ, would they have been arrested? No. If they hadn't stood before the Sanhedrin and and been as bold as they were, would they have been persecuted? No. If they had lived like many of us live, trying to figure out how to fit in with society in the midst of calling ourselves a Christian, Would they have been persecuted and arrested? No way. Times have not changed. We have changed. And it's time, it's time that we see Jesus as a treasure. Not as something that we're trying to avoid, and the hopefully, hopefully, one day he'll say, "It's okay. It's okay that you avoided my me. It's okay that you avoided the topic of me. It's okay that you tiptoed around the discussion of me. It's okay that you weren't bold like every one of the followers of me in Scripture was. It's okay. I'll let you in anyway. It's time. It's time." That we look at scripture and we see what it means to be a follower of Christ. And we stop trying to figure out how do we just fit into this society so that we're not persecuted. How do we just fit into this society without being hated for loving Jesus more than we love our own self. For loving Jesus more than we love our family. For loving Jesus more than we love our job. For loving Jesus more than we love our stuff. It's time we stop. Stop trying to do that it's time the time is now that we become courageous and we become devoted to God in the midst of whatever we just live for him we just live for him let me pray Lord, I pray that you would help us search our heart know us the time is now lord you have offered yourself yourself and we have often treated it as the smallest gift help us to see today help us to know today that you are the greatest treasure we could ever imagine and you've offered yourself to us you paid the price so that we can have forgiveness of sin. Something we could never do on our own. God help us. Help us to live lives that are devoted to you. And not to ourselves. That are devoted to you. To live for your glory. To speak truth. Into a culture that is absolutely filled with lies. To live truth. And to bring hope into the midst of hurting people. God, we need your help. I pray that you would fall in this place. That you would stir in our hearts. That you would help us to see us as you see us. And God, please give us a glimpse of yourself. So that we cannot resist. so thankful for you lord so thankful for the examples that you have given us of men who in the face of persecution chose you and not their safety and not themselves i don't know what you have for our future god you know every day it's been written from here to eternity But I pray in the midst of it, whatever you bring, that you bring faithfulness in our lives, devotedness in our lives. We're so thankful for you, Jesus. I pray that you'd stir in us a passion for you greater than any other thing in our life. We pray it in your name. Amen.